Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is March already and it's, uh, I guess I would say it's coming in like a lion, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I guess we'll find out by the end of March <laughs> what exactly it means. <clears throat> We're one week away from uh, daylight savings time, which is good. It'll give us a little bit longer days, which is well, kind of nice. Um, my thought is you can always pull the curtains if it's too late in the morning. So, yeah, a little chilly out there this morning, and uh, but lots of nice snow. Not It's not a real heavy snow, though. It's a pretty light, fluffy stuff which is which is it's kind of nice it's easy so let's get out and do a bit of that uh, snow farming um it's not too heavy you can throw it off into the corners and do your thing um i'm gonna give everybody a little warning um if you're out walking especially in this light snow especially how warm it was before the ice underneath and i just know this from experience uh and i was walking my new pup and we go up a little hill, and there's a big sheet of ice underneath the fresh snow, and wham, down I go, smack my head a bit. So got a little lump on there, but it's all good. So just be careful if you're out walking. Good thing I have a thick head, otherwise uh, most people wouldn't be too good. So anyways, we're good that way. So just be careful. Take your time. Take little steps. All the stuff I should do. So... Anyways, I also have Terry with me. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Merle. Good. Did you guys get a bunch of snow down there in High River as well? Yeah, we did. Oh, it was great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's and it's a nice snow, eh? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I was out there probably, I got a little carried away. It was so fun yesterday. I was outside probably for an hour and a half just shoveling everything I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. good to see that. Well, and I didn't realize it was actually, it wasn't that cold. Like it sort of, it was cold, but it, so I, I'm out there and, cause I was taking my new dog out for a you know, potty break or whatever, right? Do its thing. And then I see the shovel sitting there and then I'll say, I start doing a bit of shovel. I'm in my shorts and my Crocs and I'm out there for like an hour and then I'm finally going to grab my gloves and my fingers are numb. Like I should probably go get. Um, some proper clothes on, but I'm out there in my shorts and I get my snowblower out. I'm out there blowing snow in my shorts and my Crocs. So, anyways, I'm, I'm, sure, the neighbor, I'm sure the neighbors got a few good videos of you. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they've, they're getting used to that kind of thing. <laughs> so it is what it is. <clears throat> and, uh, again, kudos to my Greenworks little, uh, 80 volt snowblower. Man, I love that thing. It just, it just works. Um, like a charm. So, and, uh, I, my next, if we get another snowfall, I'm going to pack another, it has a spot where you can put an extra battery in it as well. So I'm going to go do the whole block. I'm going to go all the way around okay. the whole thing. <laughs> Cause I, I went down about three quarter or halfway and I was like, okay, if I get all the way down there and my battery dies, so I, I feel like I'm driving that Tesla, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, and it, it's a little easier with a snowblower to get home than a Tesla or somebody yeah. else's or electric car or something. So I'm just like, okay, if that thing dies, I'm going to feel pretty dumb, first of all, because only half the sidewalk's going to be done. And I'm going to be <laughs> – and, of course, it'll die on the far corner, right? So anyway, so I, yeah. yeah, so I just went down about halfway, turned around, did about four or five of the neighbors anyways, and came back. And But uh, it's it's pretty nice. It's just a little effort. 
and uh, and just blown some snow into some of the spots. That's one thing I like it for, blown underneath the spruce trees, into little flower beds and stuff like that. And that you can sh- kind like, of direct where it's going? Yeah, it, it actually has. You can aim the thrower really easy. Like I'm, I'm really impressed with this little unit. Like I said, I'm pretty happy with it um, for what it is. And uh, like I said, it's... Uh, and if electric cars, they get to that where they can work this easy. But when it does die, you're just done, right? It doesn't give you any warning. You're just going. Then, I was cl- yeah, yeah, just boom. Then That's, you're not. <laughs> yeah, then you, yeah, exactly. Then you look around. Okay. And then you, okay, right. It's battery, so you go grab a, uh, you go grab a snowblower, or you go grab another battery that you have in the charger that you hope that you remembered that you put it in the charger, and. <laughs> And then it's all good. It's not like this is a Jerry can of gas where you fill it back up. So you got there's little things you got to remember. So I I'm pretty got my habits figured out now. So, anyways, um, be careful out there walking. Um, it is a little slick underneath the snow, and uh, yeah, do a little snow farming. Get out and enjoy. Dress properly. Shorts and Crocs aren't the best, but it does work. They're camouflaged with the little fur, so hey, I was pretty much covered. So, <laughs> all you need. <laughs> yeah, there's a visual, eh? God, <laughs> people are like, oh my god. <laughs> They'll see me this week at the garden center with a red lump on the side of my head. Oh, that must be him. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a good point because it happened to me a few months ago. I was helping my son with some renovations on his place and I uh, was leaving in the evening and I thought it was good. It was just a really light snowfall and yep. down, down I went and, um, you know, it, it just happens when you least expect it, so... Absolutely. Well, like you said, and it's fast, right? I was going up slow, um, and I did have my good boots on and everything still, but it was just it was underneath the snow, and then down you go. So, anyways, a little warning. Be careful out there. We are in March, and in a couple of days, it looks like by the end of this week, it looks like it's going to warm right up for a couple of weeks and stay nice and warm. So we are into the gardening month i like to think uh, a lot of people start their seeds and do all that fun stuff inside so if you'd like to join terry and i 403-974-8255 i already got uh, a couple texts and this one is quite common um everyone grows those big fiddlehead figs and you get them and they get tall and lanky but they can be cut back fairly easy and then they'll sprout out new things so you could take a third or a little bit more off the top and you just cut it above one of the nodes like where one of the leaves are and uh it will branch out from that spot and uh, and thicken up nicely for you but what i would do this one needed to get it's it was going to the ceiling it looks like it's in about an eight inch maybe a 10 inch pot definitely just need to be transplanted as well and what i would do is yeah just transplant it um let it set in a bit and then i would cut that thing back and you can even go down to the third or fourth set of leaves from the bottom and uh, and cut that back. And you can even root the top. So if you want, you can take the top three or four sets of leaves and you can make another fresh cut up there. And you can dip those into a rooting hormone and, and start a, a couple more as well. But they will thicken up. It, it takes a little bit longer. But once they thicken up, they're, they're just so nice when you do that. So... And they're they're not a fast grower. So I'm recommending I would use the I would use the Rage Plus and and cutting back and lots of light. Looks like the house has lots of light, so it's good. 
So, yeah, you should be good that way. Where are we at for time? We're good. Um, so, Terry, here's a text for you. Hi. Okay. Prune the sour cherry and apple trees. Now we're closer to April. April from Gary. What are your thoughts there? You could you can start to think about doing it now. I mean, yep. I we've got what 11, 10, 11 weeks before we're um, you know into that prime gardening season, sort of end yep. of May. But you want to do it um, while they're still dormant. So uh, I'd pick a day, probably you know. Mid-March. Uh, yeah, later this week when it warms out. up a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's just you really want to yeah, – you want to do it before it gets going, to using too much of its energy up top because then that way you don't waste any of that good energy from the root. And and then you can really take a look at it. There's not just some big rush where it's shooting up and, and you're in mid-May or June. And you go, oh, I forgot to do it. You got all these suckers yeah. everywhere. And um, But you can also look at the structure. So just really take a look. And sometimes it's and with with phones nowadays, it's easy to even take a picture of it and put it on your iPad or or something. You can even draw little lines, kind of where you want to cut it. Depends how many cuts, but have a bit of a plan first. Like step back, look at it, and and make sure that you understand uh, where you're cutting it. And I always try to look at where I'm cutting it, just above the branch. What direction is that branch pointing? And so I typically don't want to prune it just above one that's pointing in towards the trunk of the tree. Either you want it to go off to the side or more outwards or a little bit yeah. upwards. So oh, yeah. that's uh, outward facing bud for sure. And that's going to give you the, the nice shape. And I'd also add too that, you know, be sure when you're pruning that you're not just pruning for the sake of pruning. Uh, prune out anything that's, you know, dead, disease, damaged, any branches that are crossing. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, that, tree or shrub um, <clears throat> knows exactly the size that it needs to be. So, you know, we just come in there and, and prune for the sake of pruning doesn't achieve a whole lot. So just be <coughs> mindful of, um, of why you're pruning. Yeah, no, you want to get the energy going in the right spot and yeah. uh, and going in the right direction as well. So, yeah, just, just have a little look with it before you do any cutting. Or if it's a little bigger, give Mark and the Pruned Up guys a call. Um, Mark sent me a picture. I think it was on Thursday. He was out with the crew and there was a, uh, Amigo pine that the, the client wanted to possibly remove and, and Mark and, and herself had talked and, uh, decided to create a topiary. So, so Mark did a, a great little job on it, topiary it up. So it'll take the true form. Like after this year, you'll get another new set of growth on it. But he definitely laid the roots to create a really nice topiary. So, so sometimes just removing it isn't the thing. Sometimes you can get a little bit creative with the pruning as well. And uh, and it was in a house that already had some shaping of some big uh, evergreens and things like that. Anyway, so yeah, it kind of it kind of worked out. And so be curious to see how that looks. Yeah, and, hopefully <laughs> you took uh, some some good pictures of that. I'd like to see that. Yeah, and actually I'm gonna I'm going out with the pruning crew. In a couple of weeks, we we get a project up in uh, in Cranston where we've done a whole bunch of pruning. It's a big job, um, and it's a uh, we had created an espalier for our client. So um, I, I volunteered and said, "Hey, actually, I'll come and do the pruning on the espalier because I I'd like doing that, and I just want to share some of my 
my knowledge and tips with the crew on that as well, because I've done a fair bit of that type of pruning. So I'm looking forward to uh, to getting out and having the pruners in my hand with the guys, and uh, we're going to prune up this espalier, which is kind of cool. And I'm, I've picked a couple spots where I'm going to do a couple of espaliers at my house. I, I figured I couldn't uh, – I can't – not do a couple of them so i i've found a couple spots where i'm going to uh put in a couple um little fruit trees and and go from there got a quick question again i'm i've been given impatience as a house plant it is only a small plant about eight inches any tips on how to keep it happy and when can i expect it to bloom and she loves our program thank you sylvia um an impatient house plant. Um, it should bloom um, fairly regularly, and it doesn't need a ton of light. Like mid light, like sort of medium light, three or four hours a day, a little bit more than that. Um, also, fertilize it every couple months with 15, 30, 15, or the Rage Plus, just to make sure it has that phosphate. And just watch they don't get too wet. Um, impatients are somewhat of a succulent, um, so they can dry a little bit. So they also make a, a good indicator plant. If you, if you let them dry a little bit, they'll, they'll just wilt down a bit, but they'll perk right back up. So anyways, you can, uh, do that and you should be good to go. And then one more quick question while we're on the, what kind of snowblower do you have? I have the Greenworks 22 inch 80 volt and, uh, it, like I said, I, I'm pretty happy. I have the, the trimmer and the other hand blower as well for the summertime. So I kind of got the three. They have the interchangeable batteries. I did upgrade the batteries for the snow blower. I got the bigger ones. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I think that was worth it because I live on a corner lot. And my lot is long. I probably have a hundred or 200 feet of sidewalk plus a driveway plus my backyard is mainly pavers. So I go do the whole yard everywhere and still in one charge and going up the block doing a couple of the neighbors and stuff. So anyways, that's the one I have. I'm, I'm assuming there's probably lots of other good ones as well, but I've been pretty happy with the, with the green works and it's available at a few different spots. So, and uh, maybe I should start selling those things, but they're available <laughs> everywhere <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but very happy with it. So if you want to give that a try, that'd be awesome. All right, we should probably take a break, Terry, when we get back. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. We'll talk some seeding, trees, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And... Got a quick question here, Terry. Um, can we do a little beginner's guide to snow farming? Absolutely. Um, what I like to focus on, it just says, good morning, Merle. Can you go through a beginner's guide to snow farming? I'm about to head out with the snowblower and wondering, where do I blow this? And uh, <laughs> where, where do I push it? Where do I focus my efforts? Yeah, you just don't want to. And then you're always getting the neighbors looking at you. You're not going to blow that over here. You're at my house. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so what I like to do is look under, first of all, I look at ever, uh, your evergreens, um, get them good cover, especially underneath spruce trees. If you have junipers, things like that, along foundations, 
um, the backsides of fences, any of your really warm spots along a fence, if that's where the snow or where the where the sun hits it and it dries out really quick, all the areas in your yard that are kind of dry. Um, so I planted a, a bunch of nine bark sort of out by the mailbox along the side of my garage that are it's right by the sidewalk. So I always push lots of snow over there. Um, underneath my big spruce trees to cover up um, I have some crawling pines that I planted. So I try to find those areas, kind of look first where there is no snow and, and kind of where you know where it melts quick is, is would be my, and, and the covering up any of your, if you have any little uh, more tender plants that you know of that you've maybe been pushing the zone, give them a little extra. What about yourself, Terry? When you, you're out there yesterday, you said you got a little carried away. Um, where did you start your efforts? Yes. So I started on the deck and uh, at the very end of the deck is where I kind of plant all the things that are a little bit more of a challenge because it probably has got three feet of snow on top of it right now. So it's well protected, but right from the beginning of the season, uh, it's got good snow cover. So that's a really good, uh, really good way to uh, overwinter a lot of that stuff is have a spot where, you know, you're easily going to shovel. It's not, it's not, in the back corner of my yard. Yeah, if you need to get the wheelbarrow out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is just right off the deck onto the, uh, um, that that more, you know, tender part uh, of my my yard. But yeah, anywhere where you, like you say, anywhere you've got sort of dry spots is a perfect spot. I've got a, right along the front of my house, which is south facing, um, the front is south facing, right up against the foundation there, it always dries out and I'm always watching that area so a good spot to to put that snow absolutely no that's a good idea maybe plan your even your planting like you've sort of done you know that you put some of your tender stuff closer to the house and i have a uh i was gonna say a, a mongolia but i have a magnolia <laughs> planted close to that and, I, and i'm able to throw snow on it every time because it's just on the outside of uh of my railing on the on the little front patio thing so yeah absolutely yes yeah, do that to do that and if you do need to get a couple shovelfuls into a little further in the back so if you have a snowblower you can keep pushing it all the way back to that area or if you do need to grab a couple shovelfuls and just grab some snow and and take it over there and and pack it into some of those spots but most of the time like i said it's it's you, you kind of know you see where it melts the quickest and that's kind of where you want to get into yeah we have one minute left here before we take a break and then sorry krista i got talking on this snow farming thing and we'll get to you right after the first break and if you'd like to join us phone lines will be wide open as well 403-974-8255 but let's i think this is going to be our last snow for a little bit so um and it's going to warm up not crazy warm but it's warm enough where it's going to get that nice slow melt. So if we get that snow into where we can use it, it'll be nice and beneficial. Or if you see, if people have tulips popping up or things like that already, get them buried, like so they stay down a little bit longer. And uh, do you do you pack it over top of some of your tender stuff, Terry? Or nope, just right off the end of the shovel. I don't pack it at all. Just however yeah. it falls. I am conscious though that if it's really heavy, heavy wet snow. I probably don't pile that on that area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing you got to be careful, if you do have the fruit trees, um, what you want to do is pull the snow away from the bark. 
because what it does, it also creates the parking lot for the mice, and they can hide underneath there, and they can just sort of do up and down. You know, when you when you leave the airport parkade, you know, the little swirly drive that you yeah. go all the way up and down. That's what that mouse does for your yeah. apple tree, and it'll chew the bottom of all the bark off the bottom. So you want to ensure that pull the pull the snow away from your fruit trees things like that any newly planted trees and make sure you have some sort of protectant on it like a either a cover or the really small wire where the where the mice can't get through that because this is the time of year where they're coming out a lot more and they're looking and if they can hide from any of the predators um this this kind of snowfall is perfect for them so ensure that you're looking after that so pull the snow leave it around the root system of your tree but pull it away from the trunk and we got to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll take more calls, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. Talk or text, 403 403- Nine seven four eight two five five. We're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Krista. Good morning, Krista. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great. How can we help you? Um, I'm actually calling for my sister and my brother-in-law. They um, live in Olds, and they had a back fence that faces um, southeast. And okay. they had five or six uh, towering aspens that were younger, like they were about, oh, geez, how old were they? About six or seven years old. And they yep. all died this fall with that bronze leaf disease. Okay. So they're wondering what kind of tree they should be planting that's fast growing and kind of a privacy <clears throat> tree. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like to look, maybe ask, like, for them all to get like that, I'm assuming they probably got some physical damage along the bottom. So typically how it spreads really quite easily too is through if you if you happen to be weed whipping close to the trunk and you and you get the bottom of your tree, you open up any wounds, things like that. So whatever you're going to plant there, if you're going to remove those out of there, I would create mm-hmm. like a nice bed too, like on the outside of the fence, go sort of six feet out, remove the grass, and then plant the new trees in there and then put bark mulch on that because it's going to be a warm spot as well. So just mm-hmm. to help conserve water, things like that is yeah, what, what I they- would do as well. Yeah, that's what they had with these trees. They had it all nicely okay. mulched and, and oh, wow. okay. up against the fence, yeah. How old were the trees? Uh, I'm thinking about six or seven years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I, and you're sure it was the bronze leaf, eh? It was the yeah, brown. Yeah, they, they have they... a neighbor that's an agriculturist, and he came over and said okay. it was the bronze leaf disease that got him. Okay. So. Because I've seen sometimes they, they do get the leaves. That sometimes it's a little different. It sort of looks like a chocolate color with green veins going mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not too bad, it can't pruned out. Because typically you don't see it hit a whole tree. So that's oh, sometimes okay. I. So sometimes I they say it could be just pruned out depending on how bad it has it as well. Okay. So, okay. But if it's totally infiltrated, then they're probably done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Nice thing is to the the old colleges there and i'm assuming they always looking for projects and maybe advice too um i could always ask my son about that but that's um uh, so to replace it i would probably go to a gladiator crab apple and depends oh. what they're looking for like mm-hmm. some sort of narrow crab something like that 
Um, they're little, they're decent growing. They get about 15, 20 feet high at the most, but okay. they're disease resistant. They're hardy. Um, and you might want to mix in maybe a columnar spruce in between, like go, oh, okay. Okay. go a gladiator and then a spruce, put the gladiators along the fence and about three or four feet out staggered, maybe do a columnar spruce that way you get some evergreen color as well. Terry, oh, okay. any thoughts <laughs> on what else you could maybe do there? Yeah, uh, as far as the evergreen, I like the evergreen idea, but also look at uh, not just the spruce, but like a columnar scotch pine, which will go, you know, three <laughs> foot spread, but 16 feet tall. So oh, it'll, wow. match, it'll match nicely with the height of the gladiators. Okay. All right. Well, that gives them some options then. So that's awesome. Yeah, and Olds isn't too far of a drive from Spruce It Up, so it's right down the road. So <laughs> yeah, come it down is. <laughs> All, All right. Well, that sounds good. Thank you so much for your help. All right. Take care, Krista. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, diagnosing stuff like that, Terry, I, I, I'll be honest. I've very rarely seen, um, unless it's like if you hit it right at the right time, but um, where a whole tree gets hit with that. And, and I don't know what they if they've had it a lot up in Olds. Like maybe there has been. Um, a lot of that up there, actually. And I will ask my son, Derek, about that, if if they've encompassed that in anything at the college in their Hort, uh, in his Hort degree, I'll get him to ask some of his instructors if there's any of that going on up there. Because I just haven't seen it take out a whole tree. If it's left um, untreated and, and not cut out, um, I can definitely see. So what, what what do you think, Tara, on that? Like, we haven't we didn't see a ton of it last year. No, we didn't. Uh, and like you said, I think something else is probably going on there. Usually when you have five or six of something and they've all died, it's disease doesn't spread that fast. So something has happened there and it just might, you know, would, to diagnose it properly would probably take a site visit. Yeah. Uh, I rem, I'm reminded of a, a few years back, I got called out to do a consult uh, in Okotoks to a family there that had bought uh, columnar aspen and they had probably four or five of them in their backyard and they all died and so I went out and I looked at them and sure enough the yard wasn't well kept but sure enough they had they had somebody that didn't know what they were doing with the whippersnipper and right at the very base of every single tree had been just sort of cut through that uh, that layer of bark which will do them in and so it wasn't a case of the tree it was something that happened in the yard that caused them all to die at the same time. So yeah, yeah. nothing rabbits, things like that out there. Olds. I know Oak Stokes is bad. They have a lot of rabbits out that way. Rabbits, I know yeah. we've seen a lot of that where they chew the bottom of the bark off, off the bottom two feet of the tree. And uh, so, yeah, so you definitely look at, make sure you're looking at all those things. So, but the bronze leaf is definitely, it looks like a chocolate bar, almost like a like a good like an arrow bar, like the milk chocolate colorish brown a little bit, and then bright green leaf, bright green veins, kind of. So it's it's fairly unique, and I've had lots of people, especially in the springtime, when they come out and they look bronze. I know we get about a hundred calls at the store. My whole tree has bronze leaf disease. No, no, it's just. When the aspens come out, they're that goldy bronze color, and 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 they'll be fine. That's just the color of the new leaves when they come out. <laughs> yeah, they um, green up and they're fine. Yeah, they once they open up. 
but we we have seen it, and I have been out to places where I've seen it. But like I said, it's typically on the bottom, and it's typically from trunk damage or some sort of human damage or animal damage where the disease has been able to spread and transfer from tree to tree. So you just want to ensure that you um, avoid any of that. And I got a quick question here. Hi, Merle. Can you tell me if a 20-foot evergreen tree that had been planted too close to my front door and was cut down, if the roots could have possibly gone into my garage? My garage floor has all the horizontal heaving and is delaminated. Any info? Um, uh, typically, spruce trees don't do that, but depends how close and what side. Um, it, it, it is, I guess, possible. I guess the best way is if you are if you have to fix your garage door when, or a garage floor when you pull that up, um, it will do that. But typically, I haven't seen a lot of spruce trees, um, especially underneath the garage, um, um, pull that up. It, it, but I'm not saying it's not possible, but I do remember um, one time we had bought a house and I had the inspector and this was a, a recommend. This is a long time ago. It was in a varsity house. And I got this guy in, and he didn't know I was in the tree business. And there was an elm tree about four houses down, and the, the, my garage floor had a crack in it. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's caused by that tree over there. I'm like, really? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> like, like the guy was reading through his book and trying to tell me what's going on, and I'm just uh, – so this was uh, – and it's not any of the realtors I use now, but it was one that was back then. It was just he was getting a good referral fee. So I think this send this guy over to my house to get a kickback of some sort. So anyways, um, again, if you're getting a good house inspection, make sure you have a good guy as well. Um, so long story short, I, I, it depends how close. And I, I guess anything is possible. And if you're going to need to pull it up in the heaving, but concrete cracks – in Calgary and and it delaminates if you drive onto the concrete and the snow falls and then kind of freezes in there I you see that delaminating or or spalling of concrete is very very common in garages driveways in Calgary so it um it's 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 so common it's uh so I I, I would venture to guess it's probably more along that lines to be honest so but uh when you replace it Make sure you dig down or who's ever doing it just to make sure that there's no roots underneath there. And if the tree is gone, one thing you don't have to worry about is the spruce tree will not um, sucker up like a poplar or something like that and start growing in the middle of your garage. So you should be good that way. All right. We are going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. We're taking your calls and texts um, on all kinds of gardening, 403-974-8255. I'm going to go to the phone line. We have Al on the line. Good morning, Al. Morning, guys. Hey, a little, hey. Story, little story for you, Merle. A couple all of years right. ago, a dog that I had died, so the deer figured it out so i went and got another dog last year to keep the deer out yeah he's he's great at that 
but now all the buds and everything on all my plants and everything, he's eaten all of that off. And I, he's a plant. He's a plant lover, is he? Oh yeah, and a digger. And I, I had hoses that run out around the berry bushes and everything. Were the soaker hoses? There yep. was two connected t- together. <laughs> now I've got about eight not connected together. No, and it probably leaks. Probably have a little more leaky hoses than what you had to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm learning that um, quickly. We have a good supply of chew toys, and I feel like the most popular word in my vocabulary of the last three or four, last week is no. No. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get down. Uh, anyway, it's kind of fun. He's. Uh, okay. Yeah. I appreciate it, Al. Take care. I got a question for you. Okay. Out in BC, there, uh, I got sympathy for the uh, the wineries. I tell you, for the that devastation. But what I was curious about from the footage on how close they plant all those grape trees or whatever. Yeah. All in a row. Now, does yeah. that become like a common uh, root system underneath there? No, not really. Not with the grapes. They stay individual. They're not like a poplar where they kind of join. But I guess it would. They would join in, but they don't really connect like a poplar would or something. But absolutely. So they do that so they can control the growth. They get the energy focused on fruit. And I I just hope they're not jumping the gun. I know know they're testing it. Um, And and hopefully it isn't as bad as what they're saying because it is hard to tell until it gets going a little bit more and to see kind of where that where they end up and hopefully um it isn't as bad as some of the forecast is on the on the death rate on that out there because uh yeah it's devastating when you see that happening and and i, I would assume it would affect some of the of the fruit trees but they're saying it's from the extreme cold but they get some pretty cold stuff out in that Kelowna area so Hopefully it isn't quite as bad as they anticipate, and uh, I think they. Um, it always makes a, uh, yeah. This chat about a little bit. Hopefully it it is just a, it not as bad. And hopefully the devastation or the the damage isn't quite as bad as what maybe the forecast is. So wishing them luck for sure. Yeah, I was just curious because of how close they were all planted together. Yeah, no, and they're they're like they they grow them on those sunny, warm hills, and I know they mulch them over. Um, they get they look after those things like gold, and and you and you go to some of the wineries, and and Terry and I, when we went out on a couple uh, nursery trips through the Okanagan, we stopped at a couple places. And you can't help but go for lunch. If you're out there, you go to Quail's Gate. Probably some of the most beautiful landscaping. Just a beautiful spot. It almost feels fake when you're there. Um, and also makes a nice lunch and a view. So <laughs> um, so we went and seen that. But it, it, they, they that's their livelihood, right? Growing those grapes in those areas. And we've had lots of weather ups and downs. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for the farmers that they they're gonna be able to get through it. Um, without too too much damage and uh, and and hopefully that's the case. But we'll wait and see for sure. Okay. All righty, all right. Thanks, thanks, man. All right, we got to take a quick break. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. 
You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Ro Coombs. I'm here with Terry Kemper. Yeah, we got a couple of callers already on the line, but we do have a couple of spots left. If you'd like to join us, 403-974-8255. Let's go to Chris. Good morning, Chris. Uh, good morning, Merle. How can when we help you? Is, yeah, when is a good time to prune trees? Um, we We prune all year round, so... For the most part, removing dead, damaged, disease plants, um, branches, it, it, you can do it um, year-round for the most part. Okay. So, so and before... there's certain pruning that we kind of hold off, um, and, and definitely Mark will, like, elm trees can only be pruned between October and April, um, so they're coming up to the end of that. End of this month, we can't prune elm anymore. So there's there's definitely a rule of thumb in when you're shaping spruce trees, things like that. What what do you think, and what do you got? Well, mountain ash tree. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess you'd have to prune it before before little buds come out, eh? Yeah. Or... It, and it's easy, especially with the with the mountain ash, because they get so thick. You want they? It's easier to prune them. Like now, you're getting into March. April is a perfect time to do your mountain ash. Because oh, you want to be able to see the structure, because you want to see the bark too, because it's one that gives you really good signs of how healthy the tree is. You look at the bark of a mountain ash, and you'll see sometimes light sections or a change of color. That'll tell you that there's disease or sometimes in that where it needs to get cut out. So it's a, it's a really good tree to prune. Um, it doesn't like a lot of pruning, though, because it likes to stay fairly thick and and cool the the trunk it doesn't like to be thin right out um mm -hmm. so it does like to stay a little thicker but dead damage disease branching crisscrossing things like that should be done for sure yeah and one other question like how how thick a diameter back can you prune like you know just a eighth of an inch quarter of an <coughs> inch or half it really inch depends on, on if you're removing the whole branch um mountain ash are ones that I do not like to leave stubs laying out. I don't like to just shape them unless it's like the size of your like your pinky because it opens them up to the fire blight and disease real easy. They're a pretty disease prone tree. So if you're trying to <coughs> uh, leave a, stu a stub of about an inch or two inch, it, it, I, I don't recommend that. Okay. All right, so uh, yeah, just give it a little little pruning then. Yeah, uh, so just just be careful with it because, um, especially that mountain ash, they can they can go from really good to bad quick with a bad pruning, and and right. they tear really easy. So if you're taking a larger branch off, make sure you take it in two or three sections so you don't try to cut it all at once because they they tear really easy. They're quite a softwood. Right, so I, I guess it has to be a really clean cut too. Then eh? when you're <laughs> yeah, nice sharp saw, mm -hmm. good pruners. So even like I said, if it's a little bigger, uh, you get to a tree that's growing, they're worth four or five thousand, six thousand bucks or more. Um, something's worth bringing in the guy to to do some of the technical pruning for you, and then you look after the little stuff. So you might want to give Mark a call at Pruned It Up, let him have a look yeah. at it. He gives you free quotes. 
and uh, and and let you know what's going on with it. Okay, good. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take yep, care. Bye. 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 Hey, those are touchy, eh, eh, Terry? The the mountain ash. Yeah, for sure. Not yeah. not one that I I recommend a whole lot to people. It's you definitely need the right site for those for them to thrive. Yeah, and they've had a bad rap, I think, and because a lot of home pruning. Um, we have one just around the corner or close to my house, and um, it's been kind of chopped up. And my, I, I feel bad for that tree. Like I, it's just it, it, it died back. It probably had a bunch of fire blight, so it, it got cut back a couple times. But man, oh man, it's uh, it's 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 ready. It's ready to just uh, be gone and, uh, and and cut out. So it's it's it's. But it, it is a tree that doesn't like to be thinned right out. Like you can open it up for a bit of airflow, but it does like the the cooler trunk. It likes to stay cool, and so removing dead, damaged, disease, and and full branches. Don't leave. Don't take a two inch branch and leave it halfway, and uh, don't leave a stub because it'll open it up for that fire blight or or any kind of disease. It goes through those things really easy. So um, that's when I do like to use the copper spray or the Bordeaux when you prune to treat them, things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, anyways, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I'm here with Terry Kemper. We are March the 3rd. Next week is daylight savings time. We're heading into spring. So that's like only just over three weeks until the first day of spring. So um, we are well on our way and uh, the time is flying. It's amazing. Um, we do have a couple callers. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open 403 974 8255. We're going to go to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hello. Hey, Paul. How can we help you? What I got is uh, about a 50 to 60 foot spruce tree, and uh, ants have sort of attacked the base um, where it looks like a little bit of an opening in the in the bark has, uh, has happened. And uh, the hydro people have been long pruning trees where hydro, you know, trees interfere with the hydro lines. And uh, I guess they had an arborist or somebody, and they looked at it and they said, "Oh, we got to cut that down." And they put a big X on it. And in the springtime, they're going to cut it down. But the tree looks still healthy, green. You know, it it takes it it, it does take um it takes a bit of time for an evergreen to die. Right. So without seeing the damage in that, sure. Um, because a lot of times I've seen lots of spruce trees or other trees get a good whack in the in the in the trunk or something, and and spruce trees are pretty resilient. Right. Um, they 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 could be okay if it's a nice big healthy spruce. You could also clean up the wound, cut a bunch of the torn stuff out, right, and and then fill it with a product that we have called lac balsam. It's a bark replacement. Okay. It's like a caulking for trees. Sure, sure. That sounds uh, sounds like an idea. Yeah, if you if you want, you can text a picture to here, and we can say. And we're, are you in Calgary or? Uh, it's actually uh, north of uh, Cochrane, uh, uh, up in the uh, Bighorn area. Yeah. So it's, so we're in a forested area. Um, yeah. But it's only yeah, attacked just... one tree. Only one tree. And what was it? 
What attacked it's, it's it again, sir? It's a spruce, sir? but I'm not quite sure what kind of spruce. Okay, what, but what attacked it? Oh, ants. Sorry. Oh, ants. Huh. So they've just dug in there, sort of like termites, eh, I guess? Yeah, or... yeah. And uh, we just I would just apart- treat the ants and, and like, does the tree, it's, if it if the tree itself, there's some really nice, healthy trees. That's actually where up there is where actually I, I was up by Sundry is where actually we right. got our new puppy um, right. from a, a lady who's breeding them up that way. Um, so it's just up there. But I was admiring the native spruce up there. They're beautiful. Sure. Like there's some really, really good seed source up there. Right. And if I was growing some more of the spruce myself, I would. Uh, so I actually was thinking of talking to some of our growers to go up there and do some seed collecting, because right. <laughs> they're very nice. Like they're they look like they're pruned. They're beautiful trees up there. Oh, absolutely. Was this a native tree or was it one that you planted? No, no. We're actually in a forest, so there's like oh, a, okay. million, a million of these trees. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, they just seem to grow automatically. It's just unbelievable the seeds yeah, no, everywhere. You know? Yeah, things grow up there. You're right in the 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 hub of the uh, spruce tree, Mother Nature area. It's beautiful right. and really good varieties of spruce up there. Like the seed source, like I said, I was looking at them. I go, man, these are almost like like Christmas tree. Like there, there's yeah, so many really that. nice trees up there. So right. So I would just I would treat the ants, deal with that, clean up the right. wounds. Sure. Um, cut out some of the stuff if you want, and then put in some of the lac balsam. Right, but right. I, I, I'd probably unless the tree you're starting to see something. Um, no, it looks it looks green everywhere. I mean, it's it's looks healthy. And I I would discontinue if you're able to to look after it. If it's one that's a little bit closer to the house, that's part of your your thing. But if you have a million of them, if it does go, um, it'll tell you. It'll it'll start dying and sure. it won't it, it'll it'll tell you if it if it needs to go. So I I wouldn't get too excited, especially if it's fifty sixty feet. Sure, um, it takes a little bit more than a couple ants to take that right. thing out. I right. I would think myself, but sure. um, I've okay, seen well, a truck that's, that's, I've seen that's... a truck try to take one of those down and and uh, <laughs> they don't they don't fare too well. So. <laughs> okay, well I appreciate that and uh, thanks for the uh, the advice on that. You're very welcome, and good luck with that. And if you don't, if, right you, if you're able to send us a quick picture, yeah. you can send it to Terry and I. The same phone number. Just okay. text us a picture. Would like, sure. don't mind having to look for you. Sure. Alrighty. Of course. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Now we go to Peter. Good morning, Peter. Marmoral. Got a quick How question. Can we help you? I yeah. have. Um, I've got some kind of a looks like a Chinese cherry tree or something in my backyard and I've got this I've got this porcupine now that's starting to ring the branches how do I get rid of those things or can I save the branch um no if they've chewed the bark off and stuff I think we pretty much got to get those pruned out of there um have you got rid of the porcupine I can't find like he, he must slide around right in the middle of the night because I keep looking out the window and I've been I've been watching for trails and what have you and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's climbing along the fence, and then he gets onto this tree and gets up into a nice nest spot and starts to chew on a branch, and he doesn't just take the top off. goes all yeah, the way like around a, it. They're like the koala bear of Canada. <laughs> like, for they chew the, the, the bamboo and stuff in yep. Australia. Porcupines in Canada, man, they get into trees. And I've seen them... And a lot of times into a, they, a lot of times they like smaller spruce trees, and because you don't see them hiding in there, and they'll eat the whole trunk away, 
and all of a sudden, just in the spring, all of a sudden the spruce tree just dies, and you look, and all the bark was stripped off in the middle. But yeah, yeah they they could do a lot of damage. I, it was okay last year because it somehow it preferred my neighbor's apple tree, so it, yeah. it didn't bother me. But now he decided to change his menu, and it's causing me a problem. And yeah, I don't so know if you might want to lay some netting over top of it to, by the fence or something, some wildlife netting uh, that so lets the the light in and stuff like that, so you can try and solve where it's coming. Or this is a fairly large tree, you know. It's... Yeah. Um, Nothing to spray on it, eh? Nothing that. No. Well, you could try like a bobex. Like there's some animal deterrents. Bobex is works is works really good for deer and that. So you could try that. I got some of that stuff from you a couple of years ago. I'm gonna try that again, maybe. Yeah, give it a shot. It needs to get reapplied after like a rain, things like that. In the winter, you can leave it sort of every couple months, and the last. So if you give it a shot now, after all the snow, you should be good for a while. But yeah, those porcupines can cause havoc to a tree. I thank you very much, sir. All right. Good luck. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a porcupine damage, Terry, but I've seen it. And actually, it was just South Dakota at the, at the Polo Club. They got into a whole bunch of spruce trees that we had planted years and years ago. And man, oh, man, can they <clears throat> do some damage. Like, yeah, they, they can just, be vicious. Uh, yeah, no, it just kind of had a visual. I just think I just seen the little face of that thing chewing the tree, and it just reminded me of a koala bear. So that's kind of where I came up with that uh, analogy. But that's kind of what they do. They just get up there and they just eat all the bark um, off the tr off the tree. They kind of pull it all off and then just leave the the leftovers. And uh, they don't take the tree down like a beaver. They just take all the skin. They kind of peel it to death, is, uh, which is the bad thing. So anyways, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else you can do to deter it. Bob X or I guess they could always hire um, our pruning crew. They could um, apply the netting up higher for you as well. If you needed that, we could, uh, we could drape it with some of the um, – whatever you call it, the wildlife netting, things like that, animal netting to help animal proof it by the fence or or block off where the fence goes. Maybe that's probably an easier way. If you're still listening, Peter, maybe just put a little wall up by the fence where he would walk along before the on each side of the tree so he can't uh, get to the tree that way and maybe try to barricade it somehow that way. But anyways, um, where are we at for time? We're okay for a couple more minutes. We got a couple questions here. I got one here for you, Terry. Morning, Merle and Terry. Can I still plant my garlic in my raised garden beds? Um, the soil did not freeze because of my greenhouse covers. Thanks, Marty. What do you think? Yeah, I'd poke it in there. Absolutely. We sell garlic in the uh, fall and in the spring as well. So yeah. I think optimal is fall planting. But if you've got some workable soil and some some garlic uh, bulbs that you can poke in there. Give it a try. Yeah. Should be should be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. And where are we at? Soil amendments. You already chat, but we could talk about this a little bit too. I know you had answered the question, but maybe I'll get you to do it on air here, Terry. Good morning. Could you talk about soil amendments for spring? What do you recommend? Raised beds for growing veggies, front and backyard gardens, and shrubs and perennials. And also, what do I fill with annuals? So, what, what me want to go through what you thought there, Terry? 
Yeah, so when it comes to soil amendment, I think of soil amendment as something we do on an ongoing basis, right? You don't just take yep. one day and go out and say, I'm going to amend my soil today. So, And usually I do that with uh, one of two products. Uh, I'm a big fan of sea soil uh, and or some kind of compost. So whenever, yep. I'm, plant- whenever I'm planting something uh, new in the garden, I always take that opportunity to amend that soil in that planting hole. And I'll do that by replacing um, about a third uh, of the volume with a soil amendment. So I take, you know, two-thirds of the soil out, mix it up with this one-third of this new soil, and use that to plant back into the planting hole. And so when you're doing that on an, on- on an ongoing basis, it might take you several years, but uh, you're you're adding that, um, eight, well, number one, the nutrition to the plant at that time. But as you work and move around your yard, you'll gradually you know, improve the overall soil quality in your yard. And the nice thing about sea soil, and we talked about it on the show before, is uh, you can use it uh, on top of the soil as a mulch. So yeah. if you want to put like a, you know, three-quarter, one-inch layer of mulch, uh, use sea soil. Uh, yeah. And it will it will work into your soil. Um, worms will come yeah, up. Absolutely. Do, do it in the fall, right? Trait, like sh- like rake it all in all over your soil. And works like a mulch, keeps it moist, and then in the spring, just work it in. And then there was the one question about um, filling with annuals. I, I I do like when you get to the annuals. I like to I do like to use a bit more of the soilless, like the potting soil. Um, so I would go to our our spruce it up all purpose potting soil for that, and uh, and that works really good. But when you're doing your veggies, you want something with a bit more substance, keeps yeah. it a little bit cooler. I find the the veggies just do that much nicer when you're doing it that way. All right. We should probably take a quick break. All right. Um, except for I got to mention this real quick. Uh, oh, Rob. Rob, you're not very nice. Rob. Rob, sorry, Alberta friends. Had the lawnmower out in the Okanagan yesterday. What a guy. That wasn't very nice of him. He's out there dethatching his lawn already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's coming for us in a couple of weeks. We're always two or three, four weeks behind them, them in the Okanagan. Anyways, we got to take a quick break. Thanks for sharing that, Rob. And uh, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up prune it up we got you covered and it won't be long before we get the greened up lawn fertilizer out ready to to get going on all that kind of fun stuff if you'd like to join terry and i either on the phone or text phones wide open 403-974-8255 um any pictures um calling works perfect let's go to arlene good morning arlene good morning I'm sorry about my throat, but anyway. It's all good. It's dry right now, so it's all good. Oh, terrible. Anyway, um, I was interested in that fellow stand about the edible plants. Now, did I understand you to say that you were going to put together a paper with the pictures? and Yeah, yeah Terry, plants? we're working on doing a bit of a, a summary of what they had chatted about, and we're going to yeah. do a... a, a, a I guess, what would we call it, a blog or a newsletter, just sort of stating some of the things that uh, Terry and Stan had covered with weeds. Um, so we we don't have to worry about herbicides this year. We can all just eat our way 
to a weed-free yard this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Some of it's pretty interesting, though. Like, you think, like, back before, like, and it wasn't that long ago, you think 100 years ago or something. Um, it was not that long. Yeah, it, it, that it really long. isn't. Like, my my dad would have been 100 this year coming up in June, if I think that, if he was still alive. So um, we're not far off um, where where we're, we're back to where our ancestors are sort of thing, right? So it's well, we're not that well, long no, ago. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's no, not that back. long ago. So I, they were using plants and and things like that for medicine. So that's how it was going. So well, on my dad's farm here, we had a lot of lambs quartered, and I was raised on that stuff because you couldn't buy lettuce in the store. Yeah, didn't have it. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I mean, I'm on a I'm on a little acreage which is part of my farm, but I oh, am nice. interested in that paper do you get, take our name or are you going to tell us when you're yeah I'll, I'll we'll definitely let you know when we'll we'll have it up on our website and and we can try to get it to to people how we can and uh absolutely we will definitely keep you posted um and terry and and, and lisa i know we were going to work on a little bit of that i i brought my weed book back in for some pictures and different things um so we'll we'll get a little newsletter put together on that and maybe Stan can help us off and make sure he signs off on it to make sure we did it right. And uh, and we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. Thank you we so much, Arlene. To, we might have to go back to that. Absolutely. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I I use like tea tree oil. Like I'll I'll use it if I get like a like a little cut or something or I'll use it on a blemish or something on my face. And man, it clears up stuff so fast. Like I yeah. and I, I try to use some natural things wherever I can, and like I said, tea tree oil is one that I found works really good just for for that kind of thing. Is just like clearing up little abrasions, and I'm always whacking my head against stuff for cutting <laughs> or doing different things. So I, I always need some help. So, anyways, yeah. I think I need more help than tea tree oil, but we're, we'll go with that for now. <laughs> we'll see how yeah. that goes. I have, Alrighty. When I when I was working out in home care out in Sundry. And yep. um, west of Sunday, kind of west and north, I had a client who lived on that. He lived on dandelions. That's all yeah. he ate. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, yeah. I guess. You got to do what you got to do. Thank you yeah, so much, he, Arlene. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Um, got a couple. Got a picture. It says Easter cactus. Um, I would say that is the Thanksgiving cactus. But a lot of times they bloom at Easter. The east, the true Easter cactus is more a bit rounded. And I know um, Lisa at, in the garden center just got some of them in. But I, I find they kind of bloom. I, they're all part of that zygo cactus family, and they're all kind of called the same kind of thing. But that one, I, I think, is what you have is, is technically more of the Thanksgiving cactus. And uh, – and, and Karen here also said she grew up on lamb's quarter. So huh, all kinds of things you can survive on if they run out of lettuce at the grocery store, Terry. Yeah. If the, like she was saying, if the prices keep going the way they are, we might have to revert back to supplementing our diets with some of these wild edibles. And it is, and it's true though. You see some of the stories, and the cheap processed food is actually—it's cheaper than the good food, which is—it's kind of backwards. We need to get our farmers, but 
again, our uh, uh, the liberals want to want to tax the the farmers more for fertilizer <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I I still don't understand the whole carbon thing. We're going to take the money from you, and going to go through our little bureaucracy and give it back to you, and we're going to save the climate, and you're getting most of your money back. So, um, sounds like magic, or maybe it's, they're one of those things, you know, like the 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 snake oil salesman back in the <laughs> in the twenties. But anyways, I, I still can't. I heard one of the politicians on yesterday asking about that question and and it just it, it it's it's a tough one. It it doesn't doesn't make sense. I, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on that one yet. But anyways yeah, it's hard not to be a little confused by that whole process. So absolutely figure that out myself. <laughs> absolutely. And we got Rob and you can't keep sharing this, hey, Rob? Come on, be nice. We had an open fire in moose burgers and beers in the snow. <laughs> I can't beat that, so that's pretty nice. <laughs> All right. And also, what do we got here? Black knot. Um, and we are – right now, if you if you have any kind of prunus tree um, – Let's touch on this after the break, Terry. What kind of trees to look for? The black knot. I'm seeing a bit more of that right now. Um, I see um, a lot of black knots starting to come back a little bit. So I think it's time that we raise the alert a bit more on that one to get that back under control because I am seeing a fair bit of it uh, uh, sparking up here around Calgary as well. So we want to deal with that fire blight for sure. Or not fire blight, but the the black knot. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We'll chat black knot after it and whatever else you want to talk about. Please uh, give us a call 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. <clears throat> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I'm here with Terry Kemper. And a, a good little tip from Karen, who had said she'd grown up on lamb's first. Make sure you wash everything you pick. Um, her cousin got a parasitic infection after she ate a wild strawberry. And make sure you know what you're eating. <clears throat> There's so many. And after growing through um, a lot of the weed books, so many of the weeds look so similar. Um, if you're just out there kind of willy-nilly picking and eating, I think you got to be really careful and really know what you're what you're doing before you start digesting <clears throat> some of the stuff. Is would be my opinion uh, on that because <clears throat> in going through the book, like I said, a lot of them looked very similar. And I was just watching this. Um, I seen a little tip. We're getting into the part of the time when we're growing all our herbs and things, Terry. And you know the old uh, knuckle grater the cheese grater where your knuckles go through it and you lose yep. half your skin. This, uh, I just need a little tip. They put the cilantro leaves <clears throat> through the holes on the, on the grater and then pull it through and it strips all the leaves off the cilantro. Cause I know cilantro is always a really tedious okay. one yeah. to, mm -hmm. to uh, harvest without chewing the, the sticks <clears throat> on them and be good to pass that on to, some of the Vietnamese restaurants where you get those super tasty Vietnamese subs. Um, with, but then sometimes you get some pretty <laughs> stringy uh, cilantro in there. Big so, long pieces of uh, cilantro. Yeah, so this this person has it on there, and it's kind of neat. They just feed the cilantro through the holes and then just pull it through, and it uh, pulls all the leaves off. Yeah, I can see that working. So, 
<clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. I got the same as uh, our caller earlier. I think it was Arlene just saying that it it is dry. Like I I am finding that right now on the on the humidifier and the humidistat, it's definitely a little bit dry right now. We're gonna go to the phone lines. We got Myrna. Good morning, Myrna. Good morning, Merle. How can we help you, or how are you gonna help us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I need your help. Um, okay. I have a question. You know, I've been planting begonias. Uh, how yeah. I thought of phoning you today is because it's time to bring those begonias out again. Yeah. And uh, last year, um, my begonias, I'm not sure if it's because they are old bulbs or just the year that it's a bad uh, year for, for growing them. They get slinky and skinny and then uh, small blooms on the top and they <clears throat> grow so tall. Do you, because you are um, reusing your bulbs, yeah. are you are you refeeding the bulb before fall? Before they go to sleep, yes, because yeah. I heard you say that. Okay, because that. that's, that's really important. Um, and they are, and as the bulb grows, they become heavy feeders. And if they get too lanky, so it's probably keeping them a bit too warm at the beginning too, Myrna. So when oh. you when you start growing them, like get them going, and then like pull the light up and and start cooling them off, slow them down. By when they bringing get going. them outside? No, because if it's above zero, like above five, you can. But the those type of begonias can take zero frost. So even yeah. a sniff of frost, they they're gone. So, yeah. but you just want to don't keep it in the warmest, hottest spot in your house because they will get tall and lanky on you. Oh, and you I can put also grow light on them because my window is not enough. So yeah, so just make sure you're raising it up and then keep the a little bit of airflow, like keep it cooler though, like because they they will they they can get lanky on you really easy, and I I never hesitate. They can be pruned back too. So when they get six eight inches. You can just cut them above one of the nodes, and then that will help thicken them up as well, Myrna. Oh, okay. Okay, then. I, I'm, Are you Dahlia's doing the – what type of begonias? Yeah, dahlias love being cut back. I grow them to about 18 inches, yeah. and then I take the top six inches off. And then at that point, I'll move them into a two- or a, or a four-gallon pot – and then I put a tomato cage over top of them or a peony ring of some sort. Yeah. Cause, so that way when they grow up into it, you don't see it. And it's a lot harder to put a tomato ring over top of it when they're big. Yeah. So I get it to about 18 inches, 24 inches. I'll take the top six inches off. Okay. At that point, put your tomato cage in over top of it in the pot and then let it grow up into that. Okay. Fertilizing too. Is that probably has a... a... Um, Huge, yep. I did yeah, fertilize. They, with they the, like to be fertilized sort of once a week or every couple of weeks, 15, 30, 15, sort of high middle number. Of begonias and the dahlias? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What I'll, were you feeding with? Sorry? Were you using that to feed them? Yes, I do. Uh, I I feed them when I transplant them to go outside uh, when in their in their summer pots, I fertilize them right away with ten fifty two ten, and yeah, then which is follow good. up with the fifteen thirty fifteen, and then they get but, so skinny and tall. Yeah, so just watch you not overfeeding though too, because right when you put them into new soil, there's a lot of times there's enough nourishment in that new soil they don't need the fertilizer instantly. 
So oh. transplant them and, and just make sure they're getting an, enough light and that when you move outside. But I think the problems maybe a bit earlier, Myrna, is they get um, probably a little bit too warm and too much light. So don't be afraid to, to cut them back a bit and to help thicken them up. Okay. Pinch That's... them back and cool them off. Just keep them a little bit cooler, but not fro like cold. But just watch that it's not like 25 to 30 degrees or something, because they will get lanky on you. Okay, I'll try that this year, and hopefully I'll have good, I'll have good flowers again. Are you doing non-stops, or are you doing the tuberous begonias? Tuberous, uh, uh, the the okay. non-stop ones, and and all kinds of of uh, begonia bulbs. Like I have okay. so many kinds and colors. Yeah, and just make sure they get staked up after. But yeah, and they like <clears throat> they like a bit of light. Like sometimes people think they can take full shade. And if it's too shady, sometimes they'll just sit there and do kind of nothing either. They kind of long and lanky and kind of rot off on you. So yeah, and they, they do need about white mold too. Yeah, so that's where you use the pure spray green. That's that powdery mildew. So you oh can yeah, keep I that. have that. I have that. Without that, I don't think my begonias will survive. Yeah, no, pure spray green's phenomenal for the for the powdery mildew. Yeah. But just watch, you're not getting too much water on the leaves. So it tells me maybe your water a little bit too much. Watch the water on the leaves, Myrna. And then let's just get them nice and sturdy before you get them outside. Okay. Thank Alrighty. you very much for your input, All right. Merle. So great to hear from you. Thank and, you. Uh, and you're up in the northwest. And the, and you got to watch those cool winds that come through there as well. So you get that a little bit once in a while up that I way. I know. So. <laughs> so, I have so. to cover them sometimes because of that. Yeah, no, you get that up in the in in the in the far northwest, up on the hill there. It's a, it's another zone. It's different up there. So, okay. so all right, great great to hear from you, Myrna. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. All right, um, nice to hear from Myrna. She's probably had the winter off. She likes to travel a little bit in the winter. Very avid gardener. She brings her friends down to visit, and uh, always good to good to see them. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here, Terry. And okay. we get back. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And we were going to cover, but we have one more caller here, then we're gonna, we'll go back and we were going to touch on that black knot a bit more. Let's go to uh, David. Good morning, David. Good morning, Merle. Got a couple uh, of questions for you. Okay. I have uh, a couple of amaryllis. They've okay. got probably three foot leaves on them, uh, on okay. the main bulb, and uh, they've got side secondary shoots that have peaked up around the outside edge of the pot that have got oh, maybe eight inch leaves on them. Should I okay. just clip them off or should I take the bulb out and replant those shoots? Did you get did it already bloom earlier for oh, yeah. you and all that? Oh yeah. Okay Christmas. perfect. Yeah. Yeah no that's perfect. So actually we had a text asking about this um, so um, for the amaryllis what I like to do is enjoy that bloom do your thing and now you want to start feeding them sort of once every couple of weeks something like that. Give them a shot of the 15-30-15. Okay uh, I've actually but, been using a dilute of Rage Plus on them. Yep, that works just as well. What we want to do is we want to regenerate the bulb. We're just yep. trying to feed the bulb. Yeah, I got um, new leaves coming like crazy on them. Yeah, so we, we, that's kind of like maybe you want to just 
maybe hold off on the rage for a little bit, maybe do one or two shots of the 15-30-15, and just to get a bit more phosphate into it. And what about if you get the too secondary? much nitrogen, yeah, yeah. So we just want to leave those leaves okay. for now. Let them just grow like a house plant. Let them do their thing. Sure. Because those work like solar panels. Yep. They're just soaking all that energy back into the plant. Yeah. Even even um, those secondaries. Absolutely. Just yeah. leave everything, and and then sort of where we are, March, maybe at the end end of April. Yep. Um. Just stop watering, okay. and then just just let it dry right back, die yeah. back. Yep. And then once all the leaves are crispy fried, kind of dried up, yep. just cut them all off, store the whole bulb in a cool, dark place, and uh, you should be good yeah. to bring it back up in November or whatever and yeah. uh, and replant it, and yep. away you go. Okay, now, I've got a cardboard bag with probably yep. 10 or 20 lattice in it. I suspect okay. they were, you know, maybe purchased last fall or so, so they they could be pretty dry. Would they rehydrate if I took them out of the bag and put them in water? Um, you could definitely give it a try. Do like this. Maybe what I would do is soak a like a two or three layers of a paper towel. Oh yeah, something like that, and then lay them on top of the wet paper towel, like inside a plastic bag or inside yeah. like a Tupperware or a yeah. or a food storage container of some sort. Yeah, and and just do it that way rather than just straight in water. Oh, okay. Just do that, and that would be and, that would be great. And they should. You know, I should yeah, you'll see if they rehydrate, and then if they start sprouting, yeah. then, then you can just plant them from there. Yeah, end of March, I should see sprouts or something coming on them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very All right. much. All right. Take Great. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, that one, uh, and some of those seeds, Terry, they they look um, dried out already, you know? Like, I pick up some seeds, they just look like there's nothing to them anyway, especially when you get into some of the herbs or perennials or some of the different ones where it kind of looks like it's a big dried up pea or something like that. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Some of them look like they could be a little touchy, but uh, usually there's enough moisture in the medium that's around them to carry them through till they get home to you and, and planted. If they yeah. sit for any length of time, um, it lessens the chance of you having success with them. So best to get them home and get them potted up as soon as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've had a couple of these questions, and this is the um, – it's on one of the taller cactus. And Hey, Merle, just heard the word cactus. Thought I would get your opinion on this one. I own it, and it keeps growing in spite of neglect. And that's sometimes what cactus don't mind. They're, they're kind of one, too. If, they, if you neglect them for a week or so, they're okay. This one's about five foot seven, and in south-facing window um, – it has this brown scarring, which is somewhat normal. It does that. That's the old bark. As the tree grows, um, some of the lower bark or the lower trunk starts going to um, brown looking. So you are going to get some of that in the center, different things. But this one looks nice and healthy. And you, you can prune them to thicken them up like the odd spot. But it seems to be doing not too bad of a job itself. I would look for a taller... Um, wider pot, like go a little bit wider on that because they get fairly top heavy on those cactus. So what you want to do is get yourself a, a, a nice wide pot that's about uh, 18 to 20 inches high, um, plant it in there. And then if, it, if you find that it's a little bit wide looking 
Um, don't hesitate to plant a few other things around it, some succulents on the base, um, put some sand on top, make it like a little desert look on top. Um, that way you get something that's a little bit more of a feature. But pulling that out, what I would do is just either wrap it with, um, if you have some packing, some foam packing or good leather gloves, and then just pick it up and then have someone just kind of tap the pot so it pops out of that pot and then have your new pot ready with the soil and things like that ready to go. And then we can just transfer it right over into the new pot um, fairly easy. But just make sure you uh, wrap that a couple times with some sort of uh, like a foam or a, a, a thick couple towels, something like that. Just wrap it around there, put some t duct tape or something around the towel so you can grab it. And some that's sturdy so it's not going to flop around. And just pull that cactus right out of the pot. And we can get it back into a new pot and you should be good to go. Um, a good all-purpose soil is great. You could add a little bit of sand in that to the soil if you'd like. But for the most part, the good all-purpose potting soil is good. This is one that looks like a cactus. It's not really a cactus. I think it's called the African Queen. It's a type of succulent, but it has the, the thing in there. Anyways, um, that would be my point is get it into a bit of a thicker um, or wider pot so it doesn't get so top heavy and then create like a cactus garden on top of it and we just got some great pots in for doing that we just got two new containers from asia with all our nice uh, pottery for the spring season come in and we did order an indoor pottery container with saucers for all of the pots so we will have that in stock and unpacked very soon all right we're gonna take a break here terry okay. um you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs here with Terry Kemper. We're going to go to the phone line real quick. Good morning, Pam. Hi, Merle. Hi, Hi. How can we help you? Um, I sent a short video of a geranium I have, and it's, it's very old. It's probably more than 25 years old. I've been okay. over overwintering it for many years, yeah. and um, <clears throat> it's in about a 14-inch pot. Yeah. And I'm wondering if I should take the chance and split it, and how aggressively I should cut it back before it goes outside, and kind of when I should do that. I do you ever do take cut cuttings it from it, or? Yes, I do. Um, yeah. But I I could. Oh. Well, yeah, right now you, you have enough time. I would just, I would give it, I would take the top three or four inches off the top, and go inside and and take out any of the old, if there's any dead branches on the inside. Otherwise, it looks pretty healthy, and if that's a fairly big pot, you might want to just pull out of the pot and either do a root pruning to it and add some new soil, or go into a bigger pot because it is getting fairly big. Yeah, um, last year I. I took it out and put some more soil in it and then put it back in, but I didn't disturb the roots at all. Yeah, um, I, I don't worry about the roots too much. The geraniums are fairly tough that way. So if okay. you want to pull it out, you can just rub your hands gently on the roots, knock off a bunch of the soil, and put new soil into that pot. But okay. you're, it's getting close to might needing a bit of a bigger pot as well. Okay. <laughs> but just take three or four inches off the top of it, give it a nice haircut, and you might get, you'll probably get a bunch of new growth right away here in March. So you can still have time to take a few cuttings if you wanted to, and yeah, you should be I'm good to go. Yeah, that right away. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then when I do take my cuttings, I just put them, I have a, one of those small little indoor greenhouses, and they do well in there. But then it seems when I take them and 
put them outside, they don't do anything. So should I be hardening them off before I take Yeah, them absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So they like to harden off right away. So you get them rooted. It usually takes a week to two weeks. You'll start seeing roots. Mm-hmm. Put them into a four or six inch pot from there. Okay. And pull off any of the blooms if it does bloom. But yeah, absolutely. This is when, kind of when you want to water them really good, let them dry out in between waterings, and then start cooling them off, but with lots of light. Okay. Yeah. They're in a and, south, and, south yeah. and east facing room, and they do really well here. So Yeah, they like to be cooled off, especially in Calgary. And you'll feel the leaves go from a, a really soft cashmere almost to a... Mm-hmm. A bit more of like a head of lettuce. If you can get it to that head of lettuce feel, okay, that's what, kind of what you want. Yeah, the leaves are all soft right now. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> yeah, in your video, so um, okay. Yeah, I'm always I'll hesitant on opening some stuff. So it was good to hear that it was just a geranium video. So sometimes <laughs> I'm nervous opening things. So <laughs> should I go in and like? There's some old wood. Should I? Cut yeah, that cut cut all right that now? out. Clean it out. Yeah, give it a good haircut. Okay. You can cut that thing right back. Like you could take it back to four to six inches if you wanted, and it'll okay. it'll come right back like crazy. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. We're going to touch on. I guess we have a a minute or two two minutes here, Terry. Just on the black knot. What kind of trees do people need to to worry about on those? Yeah. So black knot, you'll see that on predominantly Schubert's. So the part of the prunus family. And uh, if you don't know what black knot is, it's pretty easy to spot right now because it looks like a big, long uh, burnt marshmallow, uh, for lack of better words, uh, wrapped around a stick. So you'll look up into this canopy and you'll see all these very prominent, thickened parts. uh, uh, And it's black, like jet black. And that is black knot, which there's no fungicide, unfortunately, that, you know, we can treat it with. It has to be pruned out. So it's, it will eventually kill that tree. You can prune it out. The chances are good that it will, you'll see it come back. And what happens is you keep pruning and pruning and pruning, and eventually you're left with a tree that just is, you know, um, sort of misshapen from the pruning. So for that reason, you know, um, Schubert's are, are a tough go. Yeah, we don't even sell them anymore. We don't, we don't sell bring them, them in. No. There is a variety that we're trying to get back going. Like there's still some. There's quite a few in Sundance and down at Princess Island Park. Yeah, they're not have... quite. They're a weeping, almost weep a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they're not the. And what they did is they messed around with the breeding of them, and they they created that Bailey Select. And yeah. in Kelowna, in that it doesn't get the black knot. It's just in our area with all our native choke cherry. Um, it's like a perfect storm for the black just dog. Just love here, yeah. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, we weren't able to get to a lot of of uh, seed information. We'll try and touch on that a bit more next week. Um, but now is the time that you want to start seeding a bunch of your veggies, bell peppers, tomatoes, things like that. Peppers um, for sure, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Terry. We'll chat this week. And Alrighty. we'll get our garden on right here next week on QR Calgary.